Today on the show, the incredible, legendable Easter egg, games for your fam. Don't panic, it's Holy Week, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Gathering Underground starts right now. Well, hello there. It is time for the CU Weekly, the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 344. I am Father Chris Decker, and joining me this week, we've got Kathleen Lee. She's a religion teacher. She is a campus minister at Archbishop Chappelle High School in Metairie, Louisiana. She is our locally sourced, fresh-grown faith ninja. Hey, Kathleen. I'm super fresh. (laughs) Funky fresh, even? (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I guess I guess you can say that. It's it's the '90s. Wait, no, it's not. Fresh All, to death. That's also, also fr- fresh to death. Fresh to death. That's, uh, that's a thing, right? Yeah, sure. Olivia Galino joins <laughs> us too. Uh, she's a student of life. She's our resident Italian food critic, and we're so glad that she is. Hello, Olivia. Hello, Father. Also up there in space, you got Jeff Blackwell. He's the technical director of the CU. He's the commandant of the Jeff Star One Near Earth Orbit Satellite. Jeff, hello. Live and happy to be here. That's right. He's very much alive. <laughs> and also, we've got uh, we've got Albertus Magnus, Albert the Great, who is uh, running the video for us this week. Ed is on assignment. And uh, and Katie Richard, who is the real cat lady, who has news. And we'll talk about uh, that in a little bit. Oh. But she's running the graphics for us, at least until she has to talk about her news. So <laughs> it's going to be fun. Luckily, she's up there in space, and she just has to float over to Jeff's chair when that time comes. Easy. All righty. So... Holy Week's coming up. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wondered where the Easter egg comes from? Isn't it a, a peculiar tradition? The Easter bunny. <laughs> what? Yes, yeah, so I've always wondered that. Like, if the Easter bunny brings Easter eggs, mm-hmm. he's a he, mammal, but he don't lay no eggs. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's a pagan thing. Uh, <laughs> well, well, it's interesting that that um, uh, Easter bunny, notwithstanding, but the notion of the Easter egg actually comes to us uh, from. Uh, from pious tradition through through uh, through the church, interestingly enough. Of course it does. Of course it, it always does. does. That's this right. Is great. So so uh, to start to talk about the the Easter egg, we have to first speak about another mammal, Mary Magdalene. Oh. <laughs> okay. She, I mean, she was. She was yes. not like, like the Easter bunny. Another <laughs> rational mammal. That's right. She is a rational mammal. That's right. No. Yeah. So so uh, some first uh, accurate Catholic, nonetheless accurate yeah. nonetheless that's right first things, first yeah. in catholic under on catholic tradition <laughs> mary magdalene being described as a mammal yeah well i mean she is <laughs> anyway so so um in addition to just being a human being she has a, a special place among jesus's disciples we know her as saint mary magdalene but uh it was her great love for christ that kept her standing at the foot of the cross she was weeping until she was grief-stricken and until her savior died um we see that uh, in the scriptures, it was it was Mary Magdalene who traditionally is the one from whom seven demons had gone out. Mm-hmm. She was the one who was one of the closest disciples to to Jesus, and and probably kind of like uh, Katie, Olivia, and Kathleen, uh, a den mother to the apostles. Uh-huh. <laughs> you should have seen them. But I have mints now that just because they want to make sure that the priest mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, his voice doesn't break. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I, which is kind. I mean, like the apostles, priests are always happy whenever uh, whenever we have den mothers. You know? I wish I could be. I was thinking about that. I wish I could be like a full time job. Like I just want to want to go to the seminary and take care of all the seminarians. I guess you could. Oh. But and then somebody would give me some monies for it. Well, that's the thing. Otherwise, <laughs> I think you just have to be that creepy lady who yeah. is always I nice I to the seminary. Like, I brought some cookies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, thank you. Uh, seminarians what? won't say no either. It that's doesn't right. matter. Right. Yeah. Until you say five dollars. Yeah. And then they'll be like, go home. I'm like, oh, okay. Right, so, oh, so boy. as a reward for her great love and faithfulness, um, it was Mary Magdalene who was the first to really kind of pop up 
on Easter Sunday morning when Jesus rises from the dead. She was the very first witness of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And it was Mary Magdalene who um, told the 12 apostles that Jesus has ridden, risen from the dead. And she is actually called, are you ready? Because Pope Francis actually declared this. She is the apostle to the apostles. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, a beautiful phrase, you know. Um, she announced the gospel to those who would announce the gospel. Apostle, apostle. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, so after Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, it was Mary Magdalene who continued her mission as an evangelizer, as a contemplative and a mystic in the heart of the church. And she still does that today. So that's Mary Magdalene, uh, now St. Mary Magdalene. But the Easter egg is also attributed to her as well. So according to tradition, after Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, Mary Magdalene, who um, was a wealthy woman of some importance, she boldly went to Emperor Tiberius Caesar, and um, she proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus Christ to him, and she used an egg in her hand to illustrate the message. So she held the egg out to him, and she exclaimed for the first time what is now the universal Easter proclamation. He is risen. Christos Anesti. I don't know. She may have said it in Greek. I don't know. She probably would have said it maybe in Latin. I don't know. And instead of uh, giving the response, Alethos Anesti, the uh, the emperor mocking her said that Jesus had no more risen than the egg in her hand was red. Hmm. And immediately the egg in her hand turned red as a sign from God to illustrate the truth of her message. And Yeah. Have you seen red Easter eggs before? Uh In, Uh In the East... Uh, that is the the traditional color of Easter eggs. Wow. Yeah, they're red, and sometimes they'll um, they'll use like a, a flower pressing mm-hmm. on them as they're dyeing them, so they're mm-hmm. decorated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, she um, the egg mysteriously or miraculously turned red, and the emperor then heeded her complaints about Pilate condemning an innocent man to death, and uh, the story goes he had Pilate removed from Jerusalem under imperial displeasure. Um, there's also another tradition, because remember, this is pious tradition. These are things that, that have been handed down now through millennia. Yeah. Uh, it's said that Mary Magdalene brought a basket of white boiled eggs with her on Easter morning to the tomb of Jesus, maybe as a meal for herself and the others as they waited for someone to roll the stone away. Mm. And when she arrived at the site of the resurrection, finding the stone already rolled away, she found that the eggs in her basket had turned into bright shades of color. And maybe this is why she brought the egg to the emperor, because, uh, you know, did she yeah. expect that Jesus would perform a similar miracle for her egg as he had done that first Easter ma- morning? It's a great um, kind of act of faith mm-hmm. in the yeah. Lord. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if the stories are true, what we call their, their pious tradition. Um, um, we, could even say, we could even say legend. But it's really interesting that, that legends, uh, especially within the church, aren't necessarily untrue either. No. They have great not. components of truth to them, even mm-hmm. if all the little bits and pieces aren't extremely correct, you know, correct mm-hmm. uh, the... Um, well, we have a very kind of narrow view of what we consider valid or uh, or true, and that usually in is something that's evidence based. You know, you yeah. can, it's something observable, or you have a very clear historic record of it. But the the fact of the matter is, is that written tradition is a pretty I mean, I don't want to say new concept, yeah. but I mean, things being written down, even when people could write, wasn't yeah. that common. It was very much oral tradition. And it's mm-hmm. not oral tradition like we think of, you know, a big game of telephone. Like, yeah. I tell Kathleen something, she tells Father Chris, and by the time it gets to Jeff, it's like purple elephants dancing on the moon, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's not what they considered oral tradition. Oral no. tradition to them was something very sacrosanct. Like that's right. They yeah. got it exactly it, it, right. It would have been right. passed down correctly. Right, or, right. Or as close to correct as possible. Yeah, so when we get these traditions, I mean, that's how we know holy sites, like mm-hmm. where Jesus was buried, where he was crucified. You know, like, it's not just speculation like, well, this makes sense. Let's just call it here. Like, no, like, 
people preserved these places. That's right. Uh, and yeah. the same with these stories. I mean, so th- yeah, there's some variation to them and some some places where there things might be a little bit mm-hmm. like, mm, I don't know if those details are right, but I mean, that doesn't mean that the essence isn't true. That's right. Uh, uh, see also the book of Genesis. Exactly. You yes. know, a book of religious truth, not extremely scientific fact, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's the beautiful thing about it is we're Catholic. You ready? Both and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, um, the, the egg is traditionally a symbol um, for resurrection. It helps people understand a new theological truth, the resurrection from the dead, and this new religion, Christianity, built around the first resurrection. And so, uh, as a symbol of Christ's resurrection, the Easter egg has become a symbol of, for the rebirth of all mankind and the resurrection on the last day due to the merits of Christ on, on the cross. Mm-hmm. So, Easter eggs were shared with one another as a joyful symbol of Christian hope. And of course, decorating eggs is something. I remember doing this as a kid. I haven't. I haven't decorated eggs in a very long time. Hmm. How about y'all? Um, um, I have little babies in my in my oh, life, yeah. so I yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mm-hmm. yeah. I, it's probably been. Yeah. Oh, how old am I? I don't know. It's probably been like seventeen years. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's been a really long time. Yeah. My cat doesn't really celebrate Easter, you know, all that much. So I mean, mm-hmm. you know. You'd probably be afraid every of other year right? she's she's into it that's right exactly <laughs> so so decorating the eggs uh, painting them uh, is a, a beloved ancient tradition for the eastern churches as well as the orthodox churches as well uh, they're often dyed red as we said uh, to represent the blood of jesus that was shed on the cross and they're carried to church in baskets to be blessed by the priest mm-hmm. often with all their foods that are going to be eaten at the the mm-hmm. feasts of easter and uh, at the end of the easter vigil before it being distributed to the faithful uh, historically christians would abstain from eating eggs during a strict Lent, so Easter was the first chance to eat eggs again wow. after a long period of abstinence from them. Really kind of cool. Hmm, the yeah. egg represented the sealed tomb of Christ, and cracking the shell represented Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Nice. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, you also uh, might note in some cultures uh, to paint wooden Easter eggs and hand them out as gifts uh, for friends and family. Hmm. And I've actually, one of my spiritual directors back in the seminary gave me a marble uh, Easter egg. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, really kind of a cool thing. I know in the East, too, like in Eastern Europe, I mean, like they, it's a very, like Poland, uh, Romania, Albania, like they have a very good tradition of, of like decorating very That's intricately right. these Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Like, That's right. Like they're plaster, I think, or mm-hmm. they're something very oh, yeah. delicate, but yeah. like... Well, like the Fabergé egg kind, yeah, is, kind, of, is like kind of the pinnacle of it, but yeah, yeah. like a, a plaster of Paris or something. Yeah, like and then like these very intricate designs uh, and details on them, like sometimes they're just, they look like paintings that they mm-hmm. painted on these little eggs. My grandmother used to, for Easter, she used to give us these Easter eggs that had been hollowed out, and they're, they're probably like um, some kind of plaster or ceramic or something, mm-hmm. and then on the inside they had little scenes. Oh, cool. So like, it'd be like a little Easter bunny scene, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes it was religious, and uh, she loved them, and they were awesome. We'd get them in like different sizes, and they'd be huge ones, and uh, it was very, pretty cool. Yeah, who'd have thunk that, uh, that something so simple as the egg makes a beautiful theological proof, mm-hmm. you know, a great symbol for us to enter into. Um, and that's, uh, of course, that's always the case with ancient Christian customs. They become these great ways to catechize the faithful and celebrate a shared Christian culture with many family and friends. I mean, how many people still do Easter egg hunts, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I guess the Easter bunny hides them, you know, because mm-hmm. he's Christian, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. He's a kind of vicar. This whole thing kind of running in my head where there's like a graphic novel developing. There, in there your is, mind right it's now. true. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the vicar of the egg, huh? <laughs> yeah. So uh, so that's a little bit of the history of, of the Easter egg, the legend of the Easter egg. 
and of its connection with St. Mary Magdalene. So you can wow your friends at your Easter meal um, on, on Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. I love things like that, where you look at where the, the tradition or the custom has has come to, and then you look at the original, okay, well this, like, cause how many times do we celebrate some kind of Christmas tradition or Easter tradition or whatever yep. tradition? And you like, I don't, that's so weird. Why do we do that? Yeah. <laughs> you how, know? Did that how did that like, happen? How did that yeah. even come about? And then you read, okay, well this is what the early church was doing and this is how it came about. And you know, it always has some kind of Christian Catholic um, origin. Yeah. And you're like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> this, yeah. this, this makes total sense now. You know, but without that context, you, you're looking at it going, what? what? That's right. Yeah, exactly. And people, and people are so ready to distort it, too. Like, I've yeah. heard different people talk about Easter eggs as being like, oh, it's just, a, you know, it's springtime. So it's yeah. like, it's there's lots Chickens of things. Chickens lay in more bl- eggs yeah. in the spring. Wait, there's no. There's lots of things weird. in bloom. and Or people who even want to say, like, oh, it's this pagan thing. And so it's so easy to be like, is it a pagan thing? Like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it usually goes back to, it was a church tradition. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when along the line, the church fell out of favor and people's minds or mm-hmm. you know seem to that they still held on to these traditions because they did them yep uh when they were younger or they they were passed down but then you lose the reason why you do them that's right exactly even like secular it's funny because it used to be like these commercials for easter sales oh it's an easter sale like blah, blah blah and now it's like no it's a spring sale <laughs> that's like, right yep. you're trying still trying to be easter like aren't you that's but exactly they, right. but you know even what society has pull from that they have watered mm-hmm. down and distorted that's and, right yeah. so so we from the catholic underground say to you if you will party know why you party yes yeah that's <laughs> always we a, do like a good party we do like a good party especially in uh, in south louisiana you know um yes. you know what we say an unexamined party is not worth bringing cookies to that's right yeah. exactly yeah yeah <laughs> bring them somewhere else yeah. no easter cookies P- possibly for you. to me would be great <laughs> Well, uh, well, I think um, with, with that being said, we should remind you that this party is called the Catholic Underground. Yep, it is indeed the Catholic Underground. We are online at catholicunderground.tv. I am Father Chris Decker, joined alongside uh, Olivia Galino we got. We got Kathleen Lee. We got Jeff Blackwell in space. Like and also Alberto in... Uh, Katie. Katie, yeah. yeah. The, the total Katie. The total Katie. <laughs> All yeah. of it. There you go. All, All right, she's coming up a little bit later, and we'll tell you why. Yeah. But first, now, you might be headed out for, for um, you know, the, the great Easter car ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never had to do this. My, my dad worked for uh, an airline, and so uh, anytime we went anywhere, we would always fly standby. So the car trip is completely unknown to me. Oh man! So I love you I love out. a good car trip. Of course, I'm also an only child, so yeah. I wouldn't have had the same experience as those of the siblings too. There were in my car rides. There were three siblings, and so we each took the back seat, and there was pillow dividers. Yeah. We set oh, up our yeah. pillow divider. We stuck that pillow in there. Like, don't come over on my side. Don't you put all your stuff on this my side. This is the eastern block. No, you will not come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, indeed. Yeah, there my experience go. was like, you know, we had the minivan situation, like uh-huh. the old junky minivan. So it was my brother and my sister in the middle seat. And then I was in the back seat with this, you know, surrounded by stuff. Right. <laughs> it was just like this little, this little the... slot for Olivia. But everything that we were bringing was just surrounding me. And I was like, oh, please don't. Oh, how hagiographical. Yeah. Uh, hagi- hagiographical? 
There you hey, go. Yeah. yeah. You're in your own little icon niche. <laughs> yeah. There in the car. Yeah. Just praying like the architect knew what he was doing, but he did. It was my dad. So so whether you're on the, the, the trek to go somewhere for Easter, perhaps to visit grandma who's going to give you the Easter eggs, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes playing games is one of those things that, that we get to do. Yes. And uh, for some reason, whenever you gather with family, rather than playing something on your phone, getting it like a board game mm-hmm. can be fun. Yes, absolutely. I've, I've discovered this um, with my own family. Like, usually we're like, oh, okay, we're going to go to sleep. And I'm like, y'all want to play a game real quick? And they're like, okay. Yes. And then four hours later, we're like, okay, we got to go to bed. That's but right. our, our friend Stuart Dunn at CatholicMom.com um, has written about three family games that will fit in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Now, not everyone has time or table space to play a large, sprawled-out game. You know, those games that last for four hours and they've got a billion pieces. Yeah. Um, sometimes you just need a small game that can fit into your pocket. You just bring it with you. Not, it doesn't take up a lot of space when you open it up. Um, and you can play it in a short amount of time because... That's know, kind of a deal for me too. Yeah. The, the the games of Monopoly that go on for fifteen yes. hours. Yeah. You know, I might I was, as well play cricket. Yes. <laughs> I was just recently introduced to Catan. Oh yeah. So good yeah. night. I was like, well, somebody just sell all your sheep so we can get done with this. <laughs> I was like, and I'm like giving away stuff. I'm like, here. Are you listening, Austin Catholics? Are you listening, Chris uh, and Jason? <laughs> don't hate me. I'll play it, but you know. I need, I need a good set of nachos for that kind of game. <laughs> hey, I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so he comes up, he's, he's talking about these three games. And to be very honest, a little bit of a disclaimer, I haven't played any of these, except now I will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to, super mm-hmm. bad. So the first one he talks about is called Myth. Yeah. It comes from CatholicMom.com. So they're, they're yeah. got to be good. Got to be good. good. Yeah. yeah. So any child of the 80s or 90s remembers The Legend of Zelda. I remember it. Never played it. But... Mm-hmm. I mean, did you did you ever play Zelda? I did. I did the very first uh, incarnation of Zelda on the NES. Mm, yeah. yeah, I I know what Hyrule is, and I know what the Triforce is. See, I know none and of And I this. know that the princess's name is not Zelda. Yes. <laughs> all I know is that you go on an epic quest in all of its eight bit glory. Yep. Um, and it's super fun. But what this is, what myth is, is going on a tinier quest. Mm-hmm. But no less epic. Because you want epic in a quest. I mean, I, why, why go on one if there's not going to be epicness? That's what I'm saying. So instead of being the hero Link, you are a little mouse. Oh. A little cute little mouse. Whatever. Oh. It's so cute. I saw pictures of it. Google it. It's awesome. <laughs> okay, instead of trying to save the Triforce, right? right you're right. trying yeah. to save the sacred cheese. Oh. Well, that <laughs> sounds excited. like my kind of game. Yeah, right? <laughs> yes. Myth is Surprise a game. cheese? Yeah. Hello, and I'm almost certain that you can substitute it for real cheese. Yeah, I, I think that's I'm not the playing requirement. any other way. I'm just saying that. <laughs> that's right. So Myth is a game for two to five players, ages six plus. So we're the plus. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it takes about 20 minutes to play, and it reta- retails for about $30. And this is the review that he gives it. He says, this game is a masterpiece of production value in a little box. For starters, there are mice, meeples, and dragon meeples. meeples. I think that's what he put, calls the little players mm. right and oh. he says this is a nice touch over cubes or generic pawns right yeah how many times do you open like the graphics on the outside of the box are awesome and you open it up and you're like what That's nobody right. put any of these graphics on the, the- <laughs> that <sighs> that will turn me away from a game mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. if it doesn't if it looks epic but is it, is it? in design yeah. then yeah bye mm-hmm. now it does say the sacred cheese is made <laughs> of metal and has a nice weight to it but i mean 
A good piece of cheddar's got an, yeah. good <laughs> some, nice too. Some, some nice gouda. <laughs> <laughs> cheddar Jack, here we go. And it says the board is pop up, which is crazy in a good way. And I see oh, that it, yeah. it, it's really it, cool. It, it does together. pop up. Yeah, oh, that's cool. He says there's gorgeous art on the cards, which oh, my, yeah. which I'm, my crystal I'm like, all over. Um, which are uh, of a size much more substantial than playing cards. Okay. So maybe a little bit bigger, mm -hmm. right? The gameplay itself is simple, but not overly simple. Yeah. Uh, you press your luck in deciding how many cards to draw each round and knowing when to stop. Mm -hmm. You also strategically redistribute the cards so you can steer your opponent into only being able to draw certain cards from you and hopefully stacking oh. the odds in your favor. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see what's happening here. It's a skip bow situation. Oh, or that is oh, a good amazing. skip bow. Yeah. Love it. It says the game has a two-player uh, variant, but uh, he didn't he didn't find that enjoyable and mm -hmm. uh, he says he thinks the game shines with at least three players to preferably four yeah um so overall this, he says this was a fun game for both the family and light gamers with quality components artwork and all-around fun so that's myth yeah i would classify myself as a light gamer mm -hmm. yeah 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 i don't like complicated games no. if i have to think too hard done so <laughs> <laughs> now our next game is called this one this one i want to get so bad and play it right here in the catholic underground we might start a tournament um <laughs> avignon pilgrimage it's a spin-off. Now, this is a spin-off, which I didn't even know about the first one. Avignon, A Clash of Popes. Ching, okay, ching. come on what? now. Come on now. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Avignon Pilgrimage is a card game based on historical events. It plays two players and takes about 20 minutes to play. What? Yeah. I'm in it. I'm yeah. in it. Like underground it. tournament. Uh, there yes. you go. Yeah. Yeah. We'll I'll have to find this game. I'll do it. I'll do it. We'll I'll do bring it. the cheese. Oh, that's for the other one. Sorry. <laughs> this can still be the prize. Yeah, what? I think cheese would cheese. still be. Yeah. Sacred cheese? Yes, we still indeed. win. Now, yeah. this is his review. He said, the setup and gameplay is the same for both Avignon, A Clash of Popes, and Avignon Pilgrimage, if you're familiar with Avignon, A Clash of Popes. I will be. The big difference is the characters. Now, in the original game, you have bishops, uh -huh. cardinals, yep. inquisitors, Knights, peasants, and nobles. Oh. Now, in the expansion, I love it. <laughs> get excited. You have vicars, uh -huh. nuncios, yes. canonists, oh. courtesans, okay. ascetics, and scribes. Yeah. This, he says, not only adds new roles with new artwork, but new petitions which they can conf perform. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> Please. Yeah. I need all of these in my life. He said the game is based on actual <laughs> historical events. So if you're a historical buff like me and my dad, this would be awesome yeah. mm -hmm. avignon was kind of a weird time for the church mm -hmm. yeah yeah it says the papal schism did actually occur and it lasted approximately 40 years during this time there was great contention over who the real pope was right mm -hmm. we know this mm -hmm. from our readings of yep. course yep. Mm -hmm. it says the fact that it lasted this long also meant that the original pope and anti-pope involved in this schism passed away and the new ones were elected so this was definitely um a black mark on the history of the catholic church and now we have a game out of out of this this part of our history, right? Um, which is awesome. It says the mechanics in this game are simple, but there's a subtle strategy in knowing what moves to make and when to make them. Also, if you own both games, you can mix mix and match the characters based on their faction to create different versions of the game. Oh wow! Hello. So it's like a honeycomb of we're gaming. combining these yeah. things. Yes. So, creating an ever-changing strategy, you need to develop to win. If you are a fan of history, Catholic history, and or portable games, 
this is the one you'll want to check out. Yes, please. I need this game. My, in my, my life. problem is I'm not really good at being competitive or strategic oh, at the same time. I have no problem with that. Sometimes yeah, the strategic I, stuff. Yes, kind of I can. I can be really strategic until I get competitive, and then I lose my mind and yeah. <laughs> all. It just I need to win. Yeah, I start out. I start out playing games. I'm like, this is fun. This is. I'm learning something. I'm getting to exercise my mind, <laughs> and then like ten minutes into it, I'm like. It's time to draw blood. Yeah. <laughs> no more playing around. That's those, right. Those folks scare me. <laughs> so that is Avignon Pilgrimage. And this was a Kickstarter project. I'm just looking oh, it up here. Awesome. It was a Kickstarter. Yeah. That's and so it's already cool. got a spinoff. That's really yeah. cool. Very good for them. Mm. So our next, our third and final game that was reviewed is What's Up? Now, What's Up is from Strawberry Studios. is a memory and set collection game for two I can to four do players. some memory games. <laughs> I love memory games. For, pl for players eight, age eight and plus, eight and up. Um, it takes approximately 10 to 20 minutes to play. Love it. And th this is the review. He says, What's Up is a fast-paced game that is equal parts memory and luck. At about 10 to 20 minutes of playtime, it's a good appetizer to start a serious <laughs> night of gaming or a good dessert to finish the night of gaming. You know mm -hmm, how mm -hmm. you finish and it's still like nine o'clock and you're like, mm, do we play another round of, of Monopoly that's gonna take us 45 hours? <laughs> or you know, or do we play something? This would be a perfect game mm -hmm. at the end. Oh, I still wanna hang out, let's play this one. Uh, it says, it's a game that is simple enough for kids to understand it and it does a good job of teaching color recognition, number sequence, and memorization. He says, the artwork is compelling. Each bird has their own personality, so we're playing with birds. Uh, the green bird looks a little lazy and the red bird looks a little moody. Yellow <laughs> is perky and purple is content. Oh, I think we've got the Catholic underground. Yes, in bird form. indeed. <laughs> Do we so, each get to pick a bird? Yeah. I think they pick you. <laughs> yeah, so what's so if you're looking for that perfect game for this weekend, maybe even, you're gathering with family and you're just spending that time together, um, instead of everybody turning to their phones, what a great thing to, to find a game to play. Mm -hmm. And yeah. these are three games, Myth, um, Avignon Pilgrimage and What's Up. I would also add in one of my favorite games, um, Spot It. It's like a, um, it's kind of like a card game, mm -hmm. and there's all kinds of colors on it, and there's different ways that you match the colors and the, um, the colors and the pictures. Oh, so like a, a blue key. You know, there's different. There's there's like I think seven or eight games hmm. that you can play with this pot with this deck of cards, hmm. um, and it's pretty cool. So find something like that. I encourage you to just spend some time this weekend with your family, yeah. right? Doing something like this. Put your phones in the middle, right? Put your phones in the middle. Turn them off. Put them in the middle. The first one to reach for it puts 20 bucks in the pot. They have to I don't buy know. the, the sacred cheese. cheese. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have right. to buy the sacred they, they have cheese. to buy the next sacred cheese. Um, but this, what a great way to, to, um, to just spend some time with family. Yeah. yeah. Uh, gaming is one of those things that uh, we often perhaps don't think about because now it's become so tied to our telephones. But gaming is a form of recreation, huh? recreation. Mm -hmm. It's good for the mind. It's good for the body. It's good for actual social skills. Uh, yeah. And so, so yeah, I, I would I would highly recommend um, a, a good game. Um, I'm trying to think of, of games that I've played. I, I'm a big fan of like the the, the Uno and the Skip Bow yeah. and those sorts oh, yeah. of things. Phase uh, ten. Yeah, phase ten. I, I think I've played phase ten. Phase before. ten takes a little bit longer, but mm -hmm. it's it's a really good, a fun game. And then, of course, for all of you up there in the north, euchre is very popular as well. Euchre, yeah, it's played. It's played with playing cards. Oh, yeah. I don't, I'm yeah. not familiar. And then, of course, there's always the game of mafia. Ah, oh, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, yes. that's a good one. Yeah, if you don't know about that, I don't know. I don't know how you Google it, but uh, be careful. <laughs> <Just don't laughs> you mafia that card game. I feel like that's pretty well known. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, just yeah. about everybody. Some Reddit that. post will have instructions. Oh, that's for true, you. and there are different ways of playing it right, too. There yeah, are different variations different on that. Yeah, I also yeah. like Farkle. 
Oh, yeah. What is that? Is that? It's a dice game. It's so fun. Oh, really? Yeah. You know where I stopped by? Sisters of St. Joseph's. Yeah. <laughs> the sisters taught me how to play Farkle, and they are vicious. <laughs> well, there you go. There no, that's is. a good one, because you buy it, and it's just it, you buy literally just a little tube of dice. Oh. And then, but it's hours of fun. Well, yep. Maybe we'll have to, uh, to to get us to a store to buy some games. Mm-hmm. We are the Gathered Underground. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. A prayer for vocations. O God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, grant we beseech you through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, Saint Joseph her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Hey gang, welcome back. You have found the Catholic Underground with me, Father Chris Decker, joined by Olivia Galino, Kathleen Lee, Jeff Blackwell in space, along with Albertus Magnus. You know, that's actually what they call St. Albert the Great, mm-hmm. but uh, but Albert is always so uh, willing and ready to help us whenever we need He's a great. stand-in video <laughs> guy, so I figure I can call him the Great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Church won't mind. Uh, in fact, Albert, if you play your cards right, yeah. uh-huh. you could end up uh, as a saint, and then you could also be an Albert the Great number two. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's Katie. Katie is in there too. She's coming up. Don't worry. We promise. All right. Katie's our teaser this episode. She is. Yeah. Do you want to hear about Katie? Mainly yeah, because she teases mm-hmm. us all the time, so it works out great. Well, yeah. 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 So, so uh, we we thought we would spend a little bit of time on uh, on what you're preparing for right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're recording the show today, if you're listening to us live, it's Palm Sunday, mm-hmm. and uh, and boy, oh my, I love me some Hosanna to the Son of David. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Twice. Twice I had to do that today. It's mm. great. I like that song. It, it gets in the high registers. So uh, post Palm Sunday, you then start to move into uh, into Holy Week. And so we thought we'd uh, give you a little hitchhiker's guide to Holy Week. That's right. Yeah. Don't panic. And if you're interested in uh, reading more about this, um, there literally is a hitchhiker's guide to Holy Week. And there is. we're going to put it in the show notes for you. That's right. Um, but yeah, we just want to kind of walk you through the tritium, um, the triduum. Uh, this is the time of the year when we celebrate the passion, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this is what what Lent really focuses towards. If you right. think of Lent as a funnel, this is the end of the funnel. Right, and um, really the entire liturgical year itself yeah. funnels down to this moment. That's right, that's right. Even the incarnation. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, when you think about it, because oh. this is the reason for the incarnation. Chew on that's that right. one. That's right. Um, so it begins with Holy Thursday Mass. So Lent is over mm-hmm. Holy Thursday Mass. That's right. Um, so technically... Your uh, your Lenten practices are over, right? Holy Thursday, right? Ooh. Because Lent doesn't subsume the Triduum. Right. The Triduum is its, its, its own, own entity. Yeah, yeah, which is quasi penitential too. So yes, we'll, yes, we'll yes, get yes, into yes. that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, hold on, hold I'm on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. getting ahead of myself. Wait for it. Wait <laughs> for it. Uh, so it begins the Holy Thursday Mass, um, continues on Good Friday with the Liturgy of the Lord's Passion, uh, and then at the end of that liturgy, we leave the church in silence. We we are waiting to celebrate the glory of the Lord's resurrection. So we wait with Him in the tomb. And then on Saturday at sundown, uh, the church regathers to celebrate that final, most grand moment of the Triduum, which is the resurrection of our Lord, mm-hmm. coming out of the out of the tomb. Um, 
it's really a, a dangerous thing to view the Triduum as only a historical event. And I think that's a temptation in a lot of a lot of ways, but in a lot of different churches and, and ideas throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And of course, you see it this time of year on just about every now news channel and so-called history channel. Right. Is we start looking for all the historical stuff. Right. And we, we forget yeah. that it's a it's a religious event that actually occurred. A historical event that has timeless uh, effects. Right, right. And and that's the thing is like, uh, I forget what one of my professors said about um, like the how, how uh, our salvation was won by a, a human decision. Mm. Um, so like Christ made a very human decision and being human, uh, he made that decision obviously like in the incarnation, but he makes it again every time he wills himself to the cross. Yeah. And, but... It, you know, we tend to think about it as like, well, he's he's God, you know, and so he's transcendent, and we we can lose that historical dimension. But then we can also do the opposite. We can right. focus too much on, well, Jesus lived two thousand years ago, mm-hmm. and when I go to mass, it's just remembering something that that happened two thousand mm-hmm. years ago, when that's not really the case. Because yeah, we are inserted he's God. into that moment <laughs> exactly. because of God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's not just a historical event that we kind of pay tribute to. Um, such an understanding like that, it really diminishes the liturgical celebration of the Paschal Mystery. The Paschal Mystery is the source and summit yep. of our faith. Um, and especially during the Paschal Triduum, because this is what we're we're celebrating um, mm-hmm. and what we, we bring to worship. Um, so when we reduce it to a kind of reenactment um, yeah. rather than a remembering, but in the Jewish sense of remembering where it's a representation, you know, yeah. we're, we're transported back to that moment. Mm-hmm. So it's one concrete historical moment but because of the transcendence of god yep. we are given access to that moment mm-hmm. um yeah we, we, we as catholics to are totally time travelers mm-hmm. right yeah because we travel into an eternal moment which incidentally is is what the passover was for the jews as well mm-hmm. they entered into the moment of their of their of their passover the moment that they were right. being saved from slavery in egypt yeah the moment that they were begin, being given freedom we do the same thing whenever we go to mass we enter into that moment where Christ goes to the cross simultaneously with the moment he rises and the moment that the church comes alive at Pentecost. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's really that that I, when we think about remembering, it's not what we tend to think about. Remember, I'm remembering something that happened five years ago because it made me so happy in a way. I'm not going back to that moment. But in the Paschal Mystery, it really is this present reality. It's something that's happening here and now just as much as it happened then because it's all one. Um, just as God is all one. Um, and, and Eamon Braden puts it so powerfully. I want to read this, um, just to give you something to reflect on this week. It says the resurrection event is neither reported nor described in the scriptures. It is first and foremost, a matter of faith, not an occurrence that can be observed a reality more real than the observable for Hmm. the early Christian community. the, The resurrection was not a dogma to be believed but a daring, decisive, power-filled call to live as Jesus lived, a distinctive way, the kingdom of obedience. Uh, and it, I, I love that line, more real than the observable, because like I was talking about earlier, we tend to have this very empirical way of coming to knowledge that tends to be our kind of epistemological bent mm-hmm. nowadays. You know, we think of something as true as if I can observe it, if I can right. look at it and see that it's real or observe some kind of phenomenon and confirm my hypothesis. When really the resurrection, and he's right, we don't have a description of, you know, and then Christ removed the burial cloths and he threw them in the corner or he mm-hmm. laid them neatly in the corner, actually. <laughs> That's um, right. We, we do know that. We actually. do know that, yeah. yeah. And so when you think about it, all we know is kind of after the fact. And so believing in the resurrection, believing that Christ resurrected 
in his body and came out of the tomb. Yeah. That's something that's faith. That's, that's a right. matter of faith. Um, and it really does require that, that supernatural sense of faith, um, in the sense of the fact that the faith is a virtue, yep. um, to assent to that, to say, yes, I, amen, I believe. Um, so what we celebrate in the Paschal Triduum is then the call to embrace that saving power of Christ uh, and to live as people who have been saved and who are redeemed still today by that saving power. Yeah. It's, it's easy to forget those sorts of things because we oh, can absolutely. get so wrapped up in, in just kind of living one day after the other, yeah. you know, uh, and yet that's why we go to church. I mean, people people talk about, well, I don't, I don't have to go worship God in a church. Mm-hmm. Well, he kind of calls you to do that. And the reason that he calls you to do that is the same reason that he called the Israelites um, to to the mountain. Mm-hmm. That's why he called them into the place where the Passover was to be celebrated, mm-hmm. because the Lord means to visit where He t- says that He will be. Right. You know, doesn't mean He's not present in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean He's not present in your home. Yeah. But anywhere that the Lord calls us, He calls us for a specific purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Triduum and well Mass is. Mm-hmm. But the Triduum most especially is the opportunity for us to to reconnect mm-hmm. with those those moments that that claim our salvation. Right. And we get to reclaim them. Yeah, and I think it's important to note too, kind of going off of what you're saying that, you know, so we're transported back and to that to that moment in, mm-hmm. in a way that's transcended. It's not mm-hmm. merely historical, like we, we talked about last time. It's not this strictly horizontal thing. It's very yeah. much vertical. Um, but it also comes back the other way, you know. So when we leave the church, what do we do? It's not like, oh, well, we just time traveled and that was really cool, <laughs> but now I'm going to go you know, go to Wendy's on my way home and, and I'm going to yeah. have a nice day. Well, you've seen Back to the Future. Once time travel happens, you can't be the same on the other yeah, side. You can never go Everything back. Everything changes. Mm-hmm. Marty McFly knows that. And we right. do too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So having been strengthened and encouraged by our participation in that Paschal mystery and in, in that in Christ's resurrection, we are then propelled forward into the world to live as Jesus lived. Mm-hmm. You know, the resurrection can't be for naught. It has to be for something. And and it comes to live in us through living a life of virtue to in, in the pursuit of, of a good and holy life, in the pursuit of sanctity and living your vocation. Um, so when we participate in the celebration of the Paschal Triduum, when we do that fully, consciously, actively, mm-hmm. um, it's a continuing rehearsal not of the past, you know, because right. we're not li- we're not living a- in the time of the ancient Jews, but rather the way that we're meant to live now. It's right. it's a rehearsal for salvation. And that's one of the cool things about uh, about the the Holy uh, Triduum is we get a lot more interactive kind of experiences to to kind of um, to, to throw ourselves into. Right. You know, and I guess we, we can talk about those, huh? Yeah. yeah. Um, Chrism Mass, I guess, is the way that it starts. Yeah. So uh, when you come to Holy Thursday, there's only two Masses that are allowed on Holy Thursday, mm-hmm. the Chrism Mass uh, and the evening Mass of the Lord's Supper. And you'll see in different dioceses, the Chrism Mass may be on a different day. Yeah. Usually to get the priests together. Right. Because Thursday is such a big a big day. It's a big one. That uh, for us, it's on Wednesday. Some dioceses, it's on Wednesday. Sometimes it's on Tuesday. Yeah. But almost always, uh, otherwise, it's on Thursday. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's... Yeah. And significant because all the priests of the diocese are invited to go and to celebrate with the bishop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the holy oils that are going to be used throughout the diocese for that next liturgical year, mm-hmm. um, you know, the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, holy orders, the sacrament of the sick, those are all blessed by the bishop at this mass right. and then are taken forth mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to to the, the parishes for their use. That's right. Our- we also, uh, the priests uh, and the bishop, we, re, um, we restate our, our promises to uh, our sacramental promises. Oh, so it's right. kind of like um, 
uh, an anniversary, you know, where you get your anniversary blessing and you renew your promise, your consent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that night you'll have the mass of the Lord's Supper. Um, and this mass is significant because it commemorates three different distinct mi- mysteries. So you have the institution of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. I think most people will identify that one. You also have the institution of the priesthood and Christ's command of brotherly love. Um, this is where you really see all of those things as like having their origin point. Yep. Um, and, and for that reason, it's a very joyful Mass. Um, mm-hmm. Like we were saying earlier, Lent is technically over. Yeah. Um, you're still penitent because, you know, our after Good Friday, our Lord has died. He's in the tomb. Yeah. Um, but on this, this is that moment where Jesus says, I, I have long desired mm-hmm. to share this meal with you. Right. There is joy in his heart that he is finally beginning to consummate mm-hmm. everything that, that his earthly life and really probably eternity has been waiting for. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is my favorite. That's my Holy Thursday is my favorite part. It's, it's yeah. definitely one of my favorite liturgies, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on this day, you'll see the priest wearing white vestments. Uh, you'll see the altar filled with flowers, which tend to be pretty barren during Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gloria is sung. The bells are rung. These are all things that are kind of new and fresh after a Lent that's been mostly silent. Yeah. Um, you know, somber kind of decorations, if any. Um, after the Gloria, you don't hear organ music um, and the bells until Easter Vigil. So you kind of go into a, I don't know, like a noise tomb. Like there's <laughs> yeah. into a, a silence mm-hmm. uh, and waiting for those things again. Um, and this is this liturgy is important, too, because it also recalls the Passover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what Christ was doing. He was having a Passover meal. Right. Uh, and so we are, too. We're, we're celebrating the institution of the Eucharist. But what is the Eucharist? It's it's, uh, he, it's Christ the is the new Moses. Of, right. The and fulfillment that's the of the manna. Passover. Yeah. yeah. It's the fulfillment of the Passover. Yeah. So so we're we're participating in that as well. Um, so we're going all the way back to way, way back. Um, getting in the way, way back machine. <laughs> that's right, Sherman. Um, <laughs> but it also, you'll see the washing of the feet. Um, yep. And that's that, that element of brotherly love um, mm-hmm. that Christ in, um, was a, an example of. We'll see that kind of played out before us um, in the, the priest or the deacon or both um, washing the feet. Yep. Of, Specifically, the priest uh, washes the feet of, of his parishioners mm-hmm. and the deacon assists. Because the priest, um, as you may remember from your reading, the priest acts in persona Christi at in the liturgy. So whenever he's confecting the sacrament and so the priest is a is essentially a stand-in if you will mm-hmm. for for what jesus is doing exactly and so um and so it's, it's very uh, good that the bishop or the priest would do that yeah because mm-hmm. yeah. it's a priestly gesture but it's also a gesture of fraternity right, right. Um, yeah. as i have done so you must do also mm-hmm. and we really see that element of the body of christ being mm-hmm. put into relief um mm-hmm. it's so beautiful um after the communion prayer you'll notice that there's no final blessing um, so you're kind of left with a, like a dot, dot, dot. Yeah, that's liturgy. right. Um, and you'll see, uh, some, some parishes, the Holy Eucharist is carried in procession through the church and then transferred into a place of, of reposition, you mm-hmm. know, usually one of the side chapels. So they'll, um, yeah, they call down the, the altar aisle. of repose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the altar of repose. Um, and that's where he'll be kept for, you know, couple of hours and maybe even all night, depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I so, know at, uh, at St. Joseph Abbey, of course, the Benedictines just rock stars at liturgy. <laughs> Uh, we would we would have uh, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament from the end of, of Holy Thursday um, through the very wee hours uh, of Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I remember some of the, the Abbey Church, even when it's warm, it's cold. And so I remember taking like the really early hours, like maybe two or three, and shivering, mm-hmm. sitting on the floor wow. in the at the side chapel mm-hmm. uh, and, in, a, in a completely dark Abbey Church. Mm-hmm. I mean, this huge neo-romanesque building mm-hmm. with with just uh, light on the tabernacle wow. yeah. it's really Beautiful. cool 
that's beautiful. a beautiful church. Mm-hmm. And that's really appropriate, too, because, I mean, what we're doing after that Mass is we're recalling the agony in the garden. That's what that's right. Jesus did. He went yeah. immediately into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray um, and to experience his agony. So, you know, we get to, to kind of answer that that invitation to the to watch one hour with yep. Christ. You know, exactly. we know that the disciples struggled to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we're able to sit there for an hour or however long, that that's our participation in in sharing in his agony and that yep. he loves that yep he does um and so then we come to good friday uh and the focus on good friday what's celebrated on that day is manifold um it includes a lot of things but on that list is the meditation on the passion of our lord yep. um adoration of the cross you'll usually see the veneration mm-hmm. um we also commemorate the church's origin because this is the day we say that that uh, the church was born from the blood and water that flowed from christ's side um, or from I love this. I just love it. Oh, are you ready for a garden situation here now, Kathleen? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so Adam, yeah. Adam needs woman, right? Mm-hmm. So from, from his side, a rib is taken mm-hmm. and the last bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, ah, bridegroom and bride. Mm-hmm. The church, the bride of Christ was born from his side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. So good. Some theology of the body for you. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Completely, completely comes full circle. Even mm-hmm. in the New Testament, everything that Christ does in, in the New Covenant is completely sealed up. Mm-hmm. Most beautiful. It's like um, in the the Matthew reading from today, the Passion reading from today. Um, there's a line, a part where Christ says that He won't drink again of oh, the yeah. cup until um, until like the time of the kingdom. And He, mm-hmm. you'll notice that on the cross, one of the last things He does, especially in that reading, is He takes a, a you know, a sip or, or a, oh, yeah, a sponge yeah. full of wine mixed with uh, with gall, I think yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a symbol. That's the fourth cup of the Passover. That's like the, the, the sign that, okay, we're going into the kingdom. It's the wedding banquet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's what the bridegroom does. Um, so in this liturgy of the Lord's Passion, um, you know, it's not a mass. This is the one day, you probably know this, this is the one day a year mm-hmm. that you, right. you don't have um, the sacrifice of the, of the Eucharist. Um, but... In this liturgy of the Lord's Passion, as it's called, you still remember the passion and death of our Lord. And, it, and you yep. have a lot of different important rituals. You know, you read from the Passion of St. John. You read, you do the veneration of the cross. Um, you have an extended form of general intercessions. Um, mm-hmm. And then you will have distribution of communion. And it's and it's the, the, the Blessed Sacrament that's been consecrated the night before, yep. at Holy mm-hmm. Thursday. Yep. So there's even this moment of... of um of mourning in the church, but at the same time, we're also still hopeful because we still, every day of the year, have the opportunity to to take part in what in the sacrifice that Christ consummates on the cross. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's even a looking forward to Easter on Good Friday mm-hmm. because we're still fed with the Eucharist. Really That's kind right. of a beautiful yeah. thing. Um, and uh, I don't want to ignore Easter Vigil, of course. I want to no. make sure I have time to talk about that because right. this is um, what... Th- what's called in uh, Pascale's Solemnitatis, the mother of all holy vigils. Mm-hmm. This is the night. That's, I mean, that's what that's they right. say in the Exaltet. This is the night. That's right. Um, and this is the, the most sacred night um, uh, because this is when we get to, we begin in darkness. Yep. So that's the solemn beginning of the vigil and the, the lucinarium. Um, you know, everything is dark. The, um, you, there's, there's just no candles. And then um, they'll bless the fire, yep. the holy fire, mm-hmm. from which the Easter candle is lit. Mm-hmm. And then from that candle, um, usually the, the congregation will have their own candles. And so you're while you're being read from just a host of Old Testament readings, you're all sitting there in candlelight. Yep. Um, and it's that kind of, I always think of candlelight as like hopeful expectation. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. when am I going to get to blow out my candle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so they'll process in with that Paschal candle. Um, and after the third acclamation of um, of the Alleluia, and this is the only night, right, uh, that you have the three Alleluias. Yeah, well, yeah. well, uh, you're, you're thinking, of course, of the Christ our light, right, okay. and then later there is a triple, there's a double Alleluia, but there's a triple Alleluia before the proclamation of the gospel because it's been That's put right. away for so long. That's right. So, yeah. Uh-huh. It's been buried in some places. That's right. It has, it has been buried. That's been correct. Buried. That's right. And so from... From the Easter proclamation, we move into the liturgy of the word mm-hmm. that goes all the way through salvation history, mm-hmm. and then that deposits us at the baptismal liturgy. Mm-hmm. And and so then from there, uh, all of those who have been preparing to come into the church are baptized, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the liturgy of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And so we, we once again use the church uh, as the complete consummation of everything, and, and we see it uh, most beautifully played out in, uh, in the Easter vigil. And then, of course, there's a solemn blessing, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then the double alleluia, which I'm, I'm looking forward to intoning. Mm-hmm. I always like to see, you know, which parishioners are, are mm-hmm. really good at singing, and they'll they'll kind of belt it out. And everybody else is like, I don't know if I can follow these notes. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> That's right. can be a little overwhelming. It's, yeah, it's a little overwhelming. And if you're feeling a little overwhelmed by what you've heard here, you're not alone. There's a lot of details and preparations that go. And that's why your priests are so tired after pastoral children. <laughs> that's, that's why mm-hmm. people who work in the church that's office are a little exhausted. Right. It's, 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 the, it's the usual uh, universal time of priest vacation yeah. is the week after mm-hmm. Easter, just about. Yeah. So if you're feeling a little bit bogged down, just in anticipation, just remember that Christ's cross and resurrection stands at the center of the good news yep. that the apostles and the church following them are to proclaim to the world. God's saving plan was accomplished once and for all by the redemptive death of his son, Jesus Christ. That's, That's right. the point. Yep. Um, so try not to get lost in all the details. Appreciate them, certainly. That's Look right. for them if the things that you've heard here, the things that you'll read, and the, the links in the show notes. But, and but, drink them in when you're there. That's right. you know, yeah. I, yeah. I love the Holy Week liturgies because you just fall right in. Yep. And, and let it let it take you over. Mm-hmm. Um, very much so, very much so. Well, uh, you know, one of the other things that we should allow to take over is that part of the show that we like to call <gasps> the CU Pick of the Week. That's right. It is time for the it. CU Pick of the Week. And for our CU Pick of the Week, we actually have a, a, something a little bit different today. I was going to go with your beard. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that hasn't been I our pick it. of the week at all. Let's say goodbye to it because yeah, this 40 time. days of hair is what I call oh, it. Yeah. Honorary yeah. pick But of, of the course, week. we have something a lot more cooler. We, we do, as a matter of fact. So, so, so we all, we, we, uh, we cast lots mm-hmm. and it all came up, Katie. Yep. Katie Richard is Yay. our pick of the Hi. week. And, and Katie, <laughs> why don't you tell us why we chose you as the pick of the week? Because I'm going to marry Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan. Yes. That's the plan. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so Katie, um, I know that, that over the course of the last few years, or probably longer than that, mm-hmm. um, you, have been, you have been discerning have. entering into religious life. I have. For the last three years, um, more hardcore. I mean, yeah. the, the calling has been there, I think, for about five or six years. It scared me back then, and then it wasn't until about three years ago that I was like, okay, well, I want this. Like I, if the Lord is calling me to this, then I want it. I really, yeah. I really do want it. And then when he calls you to be his bride, it's really hard to say no. <laughs> it really, it's really hard. Um, and so about a year and a half ago, I heard about um, these sisters out of California named the Marian sisters of Santa Rosa. And they're very, very beautiful. They're new. Um, and I visited, my second visit was in February came home with an application and found out it wasn't actually due until Easter. And then it just kind of all happened so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, and then I got an acceptance, 
which thanks be to God. But that comes with a contingency. Okay, yeah, that's right. So, so here's <laughs> here's the pick of the week bit, right? Yes. Uh, so so um, one of the one of the things that you do um, in 2017 is whenever there's a contingency, you set up a website to tell people about it, and that's what you've done, Bingo. right? Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the contingency is um, it's also the Lord's fault. So <laughs> he, he diagnosed me with type one diabetes when I was eight. It's not that he did it, he allowed it, which is okay, um, when I was eight years old. And so as a type 1 diabetic, there's a lot of financial needs with doctors yeah. and doctor's visits and medical supplies. And so there will be about a two-and-a-half-year gap between the time I get off my parents' insurance, which is in March, until I'm able to get on their insurance. And okay. the sisters do that to allow the applicant or aspirant freedom to discern. So on the odd chance say a girl wants to discern out say she was on the the religious community's insurance it, it doesn't give her that freedom to to discern out because mm -hmm. when she discerns out well she's off of insurance yeah and so to cover that gap um we need to raise for my financial needs to be able to purchase insurance and to also be able to cover my diabetic needs mm -hmm. so Father Chris, so what's got the, what's, an awesome URL for me. What, what's the website? I was going <laughs> to yeah, say it, but you know. Go, you can say it. You okay. got it. You can say Katie it. KatieToConvent.com. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's not the number two or anything. No. It's actually T-O. So unfortunately, Convent is not spelled with a K, even though I lobbied. Oh, lobbied no. Right. It, it is a hard spelled C. spelled correctly. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a hard C, yeah. yeah. So KatieToConvent.com. Right. You can read. There's a right now just a very basic amount of of my story um, mm -hmm. and then a little bit about why I chose the sisters who they are you can there's even a link to their website and then a link to um, it's similar to GoFundMe it's called you caring mm -hmm. but the real yeah. the good thing I love about you caring.com is it takes zero percent from donations oh that's nice so the only the only percent that comes off is from credit card processing oh, which right, you can't exactly. get around but so the majority of that donation I think minus like a couple cents mm -hmm. comes cool. through it which I was a you know, it's, it, I value that greatly when it comes, especially to medical expenses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and and it's it's certainly a, a good cause. Uh, what was it that drew you to this particular mm. religious order? There, there were two things. So, so one, I love that it's. Um, I get to talk about this in the context of the Triduum, because I have a heart for priests, <laughs> a really big heart, and I want to be able to give my life over for priests to be able to pray, sacrifice, and suffer for their sanctification and the protection of their chastity. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something that the sisters do when they're apostles is spiritual maternity to do holy hours for priests, praying for priests. And also a big part of it is um, to quote their charism is living the fullness of the church's liturgical life. So they greatly value the beauty of the liturgy. Um, their their cathedral celebrates gorgeous masses. They the sisters are sacristans. They take care of linens. One of them even, uh, which I hope to be a second one, sews vestments, um, different kind of church linens that are needed. And they also practice both forms: the novus ordo, which is the ordinary form, and also the extraordinary form, mm -hmm. which is um, also you know maybe known as the Latin form. That's right. In, Both of those venerable uh, mm -hmm. ways in which the liturgy is celebrated yeah. in in the Roman Catholic Church, mm -hmm. the Latin Church. So it's just the beauty of what um, they advocate for, and also the beauty um, of who they are. Mm -hmm. They're Marian sisters, but their joy comes from being brides of Christ. That's right, and and it looks like they just uh, very recently. Uh, consecrated the church. They did. The, right? um, so Santa Rosa as a diocese is not 
um, as old as other ones. Mm -hmm. And so the bishop, uh, well, first off, he had to name a cathedral. I think it, I don't know how many years ago it was. And so they just finished redoing it. Oh, okay. They, they still have the floors to do, but they um, took a Balticino from, you know, one of the old churches that was closed in the country. Mm -hmm. um, they saved it, as they like to call, and they, they put it up. And, oh, you have pictures. It's so beautiful. Yeah. These high altars. And so they recently consecrated the church. Um, and so to be a, that was the goal to have it for Triduum. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And it looks like it's ready for the Triduum now. It is. Yeah. Very neat. Much to, there are some pictures of the sisters in their socks, like climbing up in the altar, like getting <laughs> it ready. I'm like, oh, me too. That's right. <laughs> next, exactly. next year. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, the, we, we know that, uh, that we, that you're very hopeful for heading to the, uh, the MSSR, so on the Marian Sisters of Santa yes. Rosa. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's the, that's the reason you're the pick of the week is, is to let everybody else know that, uh, you're one of our own, huh? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you've been with Catholic Underground for quite a while now, yeah. believe it or not. Happily. And, uh, and we will have sent uh, a number of, uh, of folks that, that have helped us on the show. Um, to discern religious life, and so um, and so, Katie, you are certainly our pick of the week. Yay. And uh, if you want to find out more about Katie's story, you can go to katie2convent.com to to find out more. It's a very well done website, if I do say so myself. Because you know, you. In, guess in who Ka designed it? Well, I know is that that's the thing. Like in Katie's spare time, she does web design too. Mm -hmm. So so, I'm sure the sisters are excited about that as well. Oh yeah, mother was mm -hmm. a little excited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. It's like ooh, it's a good thing. So yeah. so yeah, you can keep up with uh, your progress, and uh, and maybe you know if you're if you're if the prayer goes in that way, yeah. say maybe I'll give Katie a little help. You know. Yeah. But to to say the theme that has been for me the last year and a half, Deus Provi David. That's, That's right. right. God will provide. God will yes. provide. God will provide. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kathleen. I love that. <laughs> Kathleen with her Latin assist yes. there. Nicely What's the done. Phrase? It's actually the phrase of Chappelle. That's right. Archbishop exactly. Chappelle's And it's, up, it's uh, also above the Notre Dame Seminary right. entrance. Because mm -hmm. he was the builder. Well, I guess what we probably should do, Katie, is uh, is oh. give thanks for all of those who, who are benefactors to us on the Catholic Underground. Yep. This week, Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you. Joining the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. And portions of the Catholic Underground are brought to you by audibletrial.com slash Catholic Underground. As Jeff would say, that's audibletrial.com slash Catholic Underground. Oh, yeah, you got it. Look at that. And mm -hmm. also by my favorites, Mystic Monk Coffee. Yes. You can mm -hmm. find out more information at catholicunderground.tv. That's right. You can also uh, see our, our brand spanking new website at catholicunderground.tv or .com. Uh, we wish that you would. Uh, let us know what you think of it and uh, whether or not it's easier to navigate. We hope so. All right. If you want the show notes, you can go to catholicunderground.com and get them that way. Our panelists have been Kathleen Lee, Olivia Galino. Our technical director is Jeff Blackwell. Our research assistant and the leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes. Our video director is um, Albert this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, graphics director was Katie. And you know me, I am Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Twitter at Digital Catholic. We hope that we have helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice, especially as we head into Holy Week, when you're supposed to be looking for it anyway, huh? We are the Catholic Underground. We are Faith on Digital, and we will see you next time.
from the Catholic underground.